Hello and welcome to the Billboard.com Pop Shop Podcast. My name is Keith Caulfield and I am the co-director of charts at Billboard and joining me as always is Billboard.com Senior Editor Katie Atkinson. Hi Keith. Hi Katie. How's it going? I'm good. How are you? Good. Did you watch any uh, award shows this weekend? Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> Perhaps the Maybe Academy Awards. Maybe the Oscars. Yes. Um, uh, you know, you could have watched something else. You could have watched the SB Awards. Were they on this weekend? I know they were not. No. <laughs> the, the, I, I could have watched a rerun of them. They, <laughs> they, they probably show reruns. Yeah, of the 2015. I'd go to ESPN Classic. I was going to say, I'm like ESPN Classic. <laughs> it was probably ESPN Classic Two, ESPN Classic Three. Anyway, never mind. Um, well, we'll talk more about the Academy Awards in just a moment because the Billboard Pop Shop Podcast. Is your one-stop shop for all things pop on Billboard's weekly charts. In addition, you can always count on a lively discussion about the week's big pop news, fun chart stats and stories, and guest interviews with music stars and folks from the world of pop. On this week's show, we'll be recapping the 2016 Academy Awards, where Sam Smith and Jimmy Napes took home the Best Original Song Oscar for Writings on the Wall from Spectre. We'll also be talking about how Adele spends a whopping 10th week at number one on the Billboard 200 chart with 25, and why that's historic, and how Kelly Clarkson's Piece by Piece single is on track for a big debut on next week's Billboard Hot 100 chart, following her emotional performance of the song on American Idol. Powered by millions of tears across America. So many tears. As Kelly Clarkson herself said, all she does is cry when she's on American Idol stage. That's <laughs> true. Um, in addition to all that, we have two interviews this week. We have interviews with Rachel Platten and Max. Uh, Katie went on location to speak to Rachel Platten. Pop shop on location. Pop shop on location. <laughs> Pop shop on location. Um, and uh, I uh, talked to Max along with Katie here in the office a few weeks ago. Uh, Katie talked to Rachel uh, at rehearsals for her tour that she just started. She just started it, just kicked it off, and she is super pumped to hit the road. And we talked all about that and uh, much more. And fight song and and beatboxing and oh, so many so other many things. So many things. Um, and Max talked about his new video for Hot where he got a mohawk courtesy of Pete Wentz and uh, he talked about touring and he talked about how he worked with Madonna a few years ago because when you're on the pop shop you talk about Madonna he worked with Madonna he worked with Madonna oh my god oh my god Uh, so stay stay tuned no stay tuned for those two interviews later on in the show Mm -hmm. Uh, but first some housekeeping notes if you enjoy the podcast subscribe to the show on iTunes so you won't miss an episode and give us a rating or review while you're at it if you have any questions for us feel free to tweet us at key underscore Caulfield or at KT Atkinson. And if you want to explore more podcasts from Billboard, visit iTunes.com slash Billboard Podcasts. Oscars. Oscars. Oscar, Oscar, who will win? <laughs> well, now we know. Um, what'd you think of the show? Uh, it was very entertaining, I thought. I thought Chris Rock was just like the perfect host, especially for this year. Amid all the controversy, <laughs> he kind of so faced white. it head on yeah. which they needed and uh and I thought he was funny in the process like he wasn't you know too serious about it but but you know gave it the attention it deserved and I thought it was good how about you um I I it, the Oscars are always so interesting I mean they're always an entertaining show cuz I'm I watch I mean I think I probably watch as many movies as the average person does mm-hmm. I probably see a new movie like Every week or two weeks, you know, in the movie theater. That's a pretty good uh, rate, actually. Oh, really? I don't see movies that that frequently. Um, I mean, I guess I sort of step it up in the summertime when mm-hmm. there's like a big blockbuster every yeah. week. Um, but generally, yeah, I try to see a lot of movies. Um, even still, like I hadn't seen 
the bulk of the yeah. the contenders. Like, I never saw the Danish Girl or the Revenant. Like the movies I saw were things that were like you know Star Wars and yeah. the big blockbuster things that generally aren't nominated for Best Picture. Well, you did see Mad Max, which, which won swept. everything. I mean, it didn't <laughs> nearly sweep. everything. It won six Academy Awards, and that was the most wins of any film of the evening. Um, but it did not win Best Picture. That right. was um, that was Spotlight. The Spotlight, which I did see. Spotlight is really good. Really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, like. I mean, it's a journalism movie, so I had like a, you know, a special affection for it. Yeah, but um, it's just it's really great. Hmm. Yeah. Well, uh, aside from talking about what movies I haven't seen, um, let's talk about the performances in the show. Uh, three out of the five nominees for best original song performed. Uh, Sam Smith performed "Writings on the Wall" from Spectre. Lady Gaga performed Till It Happens to You from the documentary about sexual assault on college campuses, The Hunting Ground, uh, which was co-written by Gaga and Diane Warren. And it was the favorite. And it was the favorite to win this category. Going in. Um, and uh, we failed to mention the third performance of this category uh, the was... The Weekend. The Weekend earned it. I was actually tasked with writing the best and worst moments of the night for Billboard.com in on terms Sunday. Of, in terms of performances you or know, just I any like moments? You know, I like to keep it music-esque focused so there were f- as possible. But, yeah, okay. but you know, I also talked about the Chris Rock monologue and that sort of thing as well. But um, one of my worst was that The Weeknd's performance was so short. Yeah, it did. It seemed like, because I was like, wait, wait. He got like a verse. And it was a really cool performance. He had like an aerialist above him. Dancers. He had these women playing uh, violin and dancing around him. Really cool. Very much fit the vibe of like the Fifty Shades of Grey, like kind of eyes wide shut sort of thing yeah. going on. And then it was just over. It was so quick. It's, it's yeah, it did seem a little short to me yeah but i can't did they trim off the sam smith or lady gaga performances that we're aware of i don't know if they trimmed the songs at all but i do know that each of them got more than a verse of their song and the weekend was literally a verse like it was crazy how short it was well uh in saying that two out of the five nominees didn't even get a performance on the show this is true um because they've never said why but also because they're not famous enough (laughs) Honestly, and but, one of but, the nominees actually boycotted the show after you know it was announced that they weren't going to perform either. So yeah, yeah. I mean that's that's always the problem every year. Um, that said, Sam Smith and Jimmy Napes won for Writings on the Wall, which uh, I found a bit surprising. Not altogether uh, unexpected. Um, <laughs> What is the word I'm looking for? Did you see Spectre, by the way? I did. I actually haven't seen the movie. So, I mean, I'm assuming it's in the credits, like it's in the all opening the credits. Bond theme songs yeah. are. It's it's an opening credit. I mean, you know, you have, as, as, as James Bond films go, you have the, pre, the pre-movie action sequence where James Bond does something. And then it will usually slam into the opening credits, credits and theme song, where there's a specially designed opening credits theme song that plays for the entire you know song. Yeah, and then it goes back into the film. Mm-hmm. And you know sometimes that can be used really effectively, as they've done with Skyfall. Oh my God, it's the Skyfall opening credits, or you know Die Another Day, where there's actually like action happening during the credits sort of behind the credits that are actually kind of giving you the story as it's happening. So, you know, they're always, I mean, those, that's why we talk about Bond themes every year because they're so great and because they usually are very effective and they also play the entire song at the top of the movie. Right. They right. don't save it for the end or they yeah. don't bury it in the end credits. No, yeah. that's the first thing you hear. Yeah. 
Um, so that won, and I think a lot of people were expecting that Lady Gaga was going to win, um, because it could have been viewed in a way as sort of a coronation of the past year of, of Lady Gaga-ness, of, of being not, so spectacular. I'm not an Oscar voter, but I feel like maybe it came down to not enough people seeing the movie. Yeah. yeah. And it's, and as we've discussed I don't think anybody this, saw this movie. I know, and as we discussed in the show, part of this category is how the song works in the film and, and maybe people didn't feel comfortable voting for it if they hadn't seen the movie. Yeah, it was, you in, know, Katie and I were talking earlier, I was reading the Hollywood Reporter uh, published some sort of uh, anonymous voter. Brutally honest Oscar ballots. Yeah, like four un- anonymous Oscar ballots. And basically it was them interviewing Oscar voters and asking them about um, all the categories they voted on. And three out of the four, they were like, you know, I'm going to abstain from the song category because yeah. I haven't seen most of these movies. And I, don't, I haven't, I can't, I, I don't feel appropriate voting in this category. Yeah. Now, who knows if they actually truly did ultimately vote for real. But in terms of what they told The Hollywood Reporter, they were like, I don't know. Now, that's kind of refreshing that they would say, look, I haven't seen these films. So it would be weird for me to vote for this. Yeah. Because the whole point of this category is to honor a song that is the best written song for a film. And by that, you're supposed to vote for something that was best, the, the song that was best employed in a film. Um, you don't just vote for something because it's a great pop tune. Mm-hmm. You vote for it because not only is it a great pop tune, but it also moved, helped move the story along. Had, like was an important pivotal moment in the movie. Um, like was a plot point. Like you know that's why musicals tend to do really well in these categories. Like you know all those Disney musicals, animated musicals from the nineties, mm-hmm. those did great because storylines revolve around songs, and everyone saw them. <laughs> that too um, and that's not to say that documentaries can't have a song that wins um, Melissa Etheridge won for It's Time to Wake Up from An Inconvenient Truth that was an in credit song yeah um, Inconvenient Truth was a basically a PowerPoint presentation by Al Gore yeah um, a very effective PowerPoint mm-hmm. presentation and yes the in credit song that Melissa Etheridge did it was over um, like it, it, it played over interesting stuff that was still happening on screen so it was in credits but it also like presented you a lot of compelling facts about global warming right still though it's a documentary <laughs> um, so I don't know I mean I think Sam Smith won because voters as Katie said probably saw this movie and that was the only one they saw yeah and uh, that was probably it and maybe also because, you know, they're, maybe they just don't like Lady Gaga or maybe they just don't. They just like Sam Smith more. I think it probably had to do with the James Bond name recognition yep. factor yep. certainly helps. Sorry, Diane Warren. Sorry, Diane Warren. It was her eighth nomination. It didn't happen this, this time. time. But it it doesn't mean that it won't, you know, it won't eventually happen. It, that's very true. You look like a movie. You sound like a soul. Adele's 25 <laughs> rules the Billboard 200 albums chart for a tenth non-consecutive week as it earned another 100,000 equivalent album units in the weekend in February 25th according to Nielsen Music now um, it is the 10th week at number one for this album it is only the 5th album released since 2000 to achieve 10 weeks at number one it follows Taylor Swift's 1989 uh, which has had 11 weeks at number one 
of course, it could always go back to number one. You never know. Um, the Frozen soundtrack, which had 13 weeks to number one. Um, Adele's own 21, which spent 24 weeks at number one. And then Swift's Fearless, in uh, which was released in 2008 and has done 11 weeks at number one. So that means two artists, Swift and Adele, uh, along with the Frozen soundtrack. That's crazy. Yeah, and that's just albums released since 2000. Um, since the Billboard 200 actually combined its mono and stereo rankings in 1963, only three women have two or more albums with at least 10 weeks at number one. Who is the third woman? We'll talk about that in our chart set of the week later oh, on in the show. Oh, man. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Stay tuned. Yeah, something to look forward to. Well, moving on uh, to someone who's had a uh, number one album or two on the Billboard 200. Uh, Kelly Clarkson, Piece by Piece. Uh, Katie, did you see her perform this song on American Idol last week? I did, um, and I cried. And, like, I literally just sat on my couch and cried. Um, It was such a cool appearance. As Kelly did, performing the song. Yeah, it was such a cool American Idol episode in general. She was there for the entire episode. By the way, Katie Katie is queen idol. I'm an idol fan. I'm, like, still clinging to it. But now I'm, like, especially, my, my interest is definitely renewed because it's the final season. And they've been doing all these fun things where they're bringing old contestants back. But, like, Kelly's, like, the, the old contestant to have back. She's the OG idol. She's the OG idol. So she guest judged, which was awesome because even when she was being really sweet with the contestants, she was also very open and like honest with them. So that like she was like an amazing judge. And then she they kind of referenced early in the show, you're going to perform tonight. It's going to be a little emotional, etc. And then I, I didn't I just kind of like brushed off that information. And then she started <laughs> singing. And you, I mean, these lyrics, like you listen to the lyrics, it was a stripped down version of her song, Piece by Piece. Which on the original album version is sort of a, kind of an up-tempo-y... Dancey kind of. Yeah, it's it's a little bit peppy. But then you hear the lyrics and it's this heartbreaking song about her relationship with her father or lack thereof and how her relationship with her husband has changed her like perception of like men and fathers and oh i didn't realize it was actually inspired by true events oh yeah like oh, it, it's, it's like this i didn't realize it was about crazy personal oh yeah oh dear and it's like basically now seeing her husband raise her one child about to be two children be that kind of dad that she didn't have like has basically like renewed her entire faith in like in what a, a, what yeah what, what a man, a man can, can be basically and i mean the lyrics say all of that and they say it really like in plain language to the point you cannot avoid like what she's talking about and what her message is and it was just heartbreaking and everybody was crying Keith Urban his face was just like covered in tears yeah yeah, but piece by piece is is uh, people are reacting incredibly strongly to this. Um, the the performance video um, it has been seen tens of millions of times on Facebook um, and on YouTube, and according to forecasters, the song is going to sell so well this week um, it could actually push the song straight into the top twenty on the Billboard Hot 100 next week. Other songs that uh, might hit the chart next week on the Billboard Hot 100, uh, a song that I know Katie likes a whole lot. Oh, my new jam, Work From Home. Yes. Fifth Harmony's uh, new single yeah, came out that, last Friday. Man, that video came out, and I had to watch it, like, back to back to back because it was it just, like, was hilarious. That video is, is amazing. The, the video is is basically Fifth Harmony and a lot of hairography. Um, at <laughs> on, a like, a con- construction on site. On a construction site with a bunch of sort of, like 
hot construction worker dudes. Yeah. Um, and them doing a lot of dancing. Oh yeah, way more dancing I feel like than they've ever done. And and uh, I don't know, it's just really fun. The song's fun and the video's fun, and it is a good fit. If you enjoy the Fifth Harmony, make sure to listen to our recent interview with uh, Camila Cabello the other week. Anyway, we're going to move on now to our interview with Max, or Max Schneider. But he just goes by Max. Um, The 23-year-old chatted about shaving off his hair into a mohawk, thanks to Pete Wentz, for his new video, Holla, Holla. He also discussed touring with R5 and Fallout Boy, uh, separately, by the way, um, acting on Broadway and becoming pals with Ariana Grande, uh, thanks to his role in the movie, uh, in the in the Broadway musical 13. He was an understudy uh, for 13, and Ariana Grande was one of the stars of the musical. Um, and how he got to work with Madonna for a Dolce & Gabbana ad campaign. It is a very good story. Yeah, stick around. Um, so stick around, and here's our interview with Max. Welcome, Max, to the Billboard Pop Shop podcast. Thanks for having me. How are you? I'm so great. Thank you. I'm fascinated by the fact, because I'm a big Madonna geek, that you were totally. in an advertising campaign, a Dolce & Gabbana campaign with Madonna. Yes, indeed. Um, which is nuts. It was crazy. Um, I mean, I, I, I'm sure it was like a very brief, fleeting encounter with Madonna where you hang out with her for like an hour and take some photos. Funny enough, it was not like that. Oh. And I was very surprised. Like, no, was I like talked that. to her last week. I went I, to the show. I mean, I, like, I haven't <laughs> talked to her since, but I spent the day with her. I spent like 12 hours with her. How old were um, you? I was 17. Okay. Uh, and this, it's, 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 a, it's a long story, but I'll, I'll keep it short in that, you know, I had never done any modeling stuff. I was always a little too short for it. And I had gone in for something where these people were like, hey, we might send you out on some castings. Like, I was like, all right, cool. So I'm walking home from school, and they're like, hey, go to this casting right now. I was like, like right now? Okay. So I go downtown. They take three pictures of me. I'm used to, you know, auditioning as an actor or whatever else. Like, you know, you sit and you wait. Right. Three pictures, I'm done. I'm like, all right, well, I'm not going to get that. That clearly didn't work. That's not going to happen. <laughs> so I go get a haircut, like, right after. Thinking, like, whatever. So then three days later, I'm in school again, and they call me, and they go, hey, so you kind of got this thing that we sent you for, the Madonna thing. And I'm like, I don't know the legitimacy of these guys. I'm like, yeah, sure, sure I got this Madonna thing. They're like, so here's the deal, though. You're going to show up tomorrow, and they're actually choosing between you and one other boy so she's chosen you which is a great sign and the cast director has chosen another boy so they're going to just look at you on set and one of you is going to get cut right away and uh-huh. I was like well that's crazy cool right. so so I show up the next day men in black style like this place the security was crazy like I, I couldn't believe that they had the whole block perimetered around this old church in Harlem I walk in nobody speaks English it's Italian or Japanese they bring me upstairs. They sit me down. They're doing my hair, all this stuff. And I'm just wondering when this thing's going to happen. When are they going to choose between us? I'm looking at all these busky Italian men. Is this the guy? Like, I don't know <laughs> who, who I'm compared to. So finally, after like an hour and a half of this, um, this British guy comes in and he's, he's you know, he's the stylist mm-hmm. and he starts styling me and, and he's like, uh, he's like, why are you not clothed yet? Like, has anybody talked to you? I was like, no, no, they've just been throwing me places. And he goes, oh, you don't know anything, do you? I was like, no. He goes, yeah, you've had the job all day. They fired the other guy like late last night. You, they, they, nobody told you that? I was like, like yeah, yeah, nobody, you know. nobody told me no. that. So then they throw me in this room. And uh, fun fact about Madonna is that um, 
she doesn't like to see who her stand-in is. She doesn't like to see who the f- woman is who is her stand-in. Right. Um, and so this woman has been her stand-in that I was meeting, lovely Australian woman, probably in her 30s, and she was she was beautiful, and she was like, yeah, I've never met her, because she like doesn't, you know, that's just not her thing. She doesn't want to make uh, eye she contact. Doesn't meet, yeah. She doesn't want to meet, but whatever, <laughs> yeah. you know. So, so she leaves the room right after we do these shots, and I'm supposed, she's supposed to be my mother in this campaign. She's right. teaching me how to dance, and I'm disgusted by, I don't want my mom to teach me how to dance. Right. So, so then Madonna walks in the room. I think there's going to be these lights of beams that comes out. And she just has her coconut water with a straw. She walks in. She gives it to her assistant. She walks up to me. She's like, hi, what's your name? I was like, Max. She didn't. She's like, nice to meet you, Max. Like, of course, I'm Madonna. Like, I don't need to say I'm Madonna. So, um, that would have been cool, though. That like, oh, so I'm sick. Madonna. I'm Madonna. So she starts doing this. So we start dancing. And um, she looks at me and she's like, what are you doing? Because I'm making this face like we rehearsed. I was like, I don't know. What do you want me to be doing? Like, she grabs the small of my back, lifts me up, and she's like, I'll teach you how to dance. Oh. And I was like, oh my God, this is ridiculous. <laughs> so then for the rest of the day, I was only supposed to be in that one shot, which is, you know, like you yeah. said, I thought it would be that. And she was like, oh, come on. And so then suddenly we're doing all these different shots where wow. I wasn't supposed to be in them, and it's like this sort of surreal play date, and, you know, and Dolce & Gabbana are there, and they're talking to her, and they're like, Jeez. oh, you guys have the same nose, and she's like, that's why I chose him, and I'm just like, what okay. is going on? Like, I'd never been told that, cool. Um, and then, literally, we do the whole day, I do like six out of these eight shots, and then, finally, we're supposed to do this crazy shot with like 50 people. They're all supposed to be in this family, and she goes, I don't want to do that. We're going to go on the street, just just me and, and, and the kid, and we're going to, you know, we're going to walk down the street with these groceries. Like <laughs> lightning. Like nobody questions it. Cool, we'll do that Great right Madonna. now. So we, we all got on the street, and just for this shot, of course, it's spontaneous, so there's no security. They couldn't get a perimeter. We're about to finish the day. So we get on the street, and we're doing this thing, and of course, it's the only shot of the day where I mean, flood of paparazzi. I've never, I've never experienced it, obviously. So I'm like, what is going on? Trying to just like keep a straight face. Like, what is this? And we're just doing it. And she's, she knows their names. She's like, oh, what's up, Bob? Nice to see you. Whatever. (laughs) Like, why can't you leave me? Whatever. And, um, and so then, and then they're like, all right, cool. We're wrapped. Have a good day. Like, do you need us to catch you a cab? I'm like, uh, yeah, sure, I guess. So I go home. Next day, my dad picks up the paper. Uh, he goes to the gym. <laughs> and on the f- cover is, who's Madonna's new fetus boyfriend? Ah, and, oh and the amazing face. Oh, my God. It's, it's incredible because, like, it just goes to show that she knew exactly what she was doing. And she's she's incredible in that. She's, she's a brilliant woman. She might, you know, some people might have their opinions of it, but... She knows exactly what she's doing. That's why she's still killing it. Man, wow. that so is a story. story. That's yeah. a story. <laughs> well, we're done. Yeah, thanks, so much. Yeah, thanks for coming. Great. <laughs> um, well, after I mean, after after the Madonna encounter, um, actually, I guess it was probably after you were you were on Broadway mm-hmm. briefly. Uh, you were an understudy in the musical Thirteen, yeah, yes, which indeed. also happened to feature Ariana Grande. Of course, yes. Um, are you BFFs with Ariana now? <laughs> we hang sometimes. I'm actually, I met some of my best friends through her at like an Oscar party, but I haven't seen her. I, last time I saw her was she was doing that video with The Weeknd, mm-hmm. uh, the, which was probably like, what, I don't know. Love Me Harder. Yeah, like Love Me Harder. Ago. Yeah, yeah. So I, I came and hung out on that and, and uh, it was great to see her. You know, she's, crazy. she's always all over the place. Would you ever want to go back to Broadway? I would love to, but I think that it's it's tough at this point. I mean, I, I want to focus on my own music, but I think I'd love to go down the line because it's an incredible. I think it's hard if you go back. Keep your options. Yeah, open. you keep. I feel like if you go back too soon and you don't establish your own music enough, if you're trying to you go pigeonhole for that, yourself, kind of pigeonhole yourself. Um, nothing wrong with that. But, but you've but, done really well at not pigeonholing yourself because yeah. you've you know you were a model accidentally almost. You were on Broadway. 
Um, were, you, were you actually on? Did you actually get on stage? I did. I, okay. I went on. So the show was called Thirteen, and I went on thirteen times. Oh, okay. that's crazy! Wow, which was super weird. <laughs> that works out. And my first, my first show, this kid lost his voice uh, mid show, and like, I had oh, to go so on. Oh, that's so sad. You went in mid show. Mid show, I went oh, on. That's crazy. And he was this black dude. <laughs> so everyone was uh, like, the he's the only like, black uh, dude in the show. And I go on, <laughs> and the very end, they're like, hey, by the way, like this part, Malcolm was played by, like, got switched in the middle of the show. <laughs> Like, <laughs> you may have noticed his skin tone got a little bit lighter <laughs> halfway through the show. That's entity. crazy. Um, but uh, yeah, so that was that was how that happened. Last year, you toured with Fall Out Boy and Wiz Khalifa. You toured on your own for your own solo tour, um, and now you're going on tour with R Five. Um, it seems like a really like weird, totally like mixture, mm-hmm. of, like between Fall Out Boy and R Five. And R Five tours kind of like relentlessly. Yeah, they like, tour a lot. They're like full on like live, live, live. Band. It's incredible. It's awesome. Um, what do you think like the biggest difference will be between touring with that those two different troops of people? The thing that's what, what I'm most excited about. And I was talking to somebody the other day is is that um, even on the Fall Out Boy Wiz tours, the audience was so diverse because obviously it's very different styles of music. Yeah. And with R Five, I think that it's a very uh, it's pro, it's a way younger super audience. Super pop, super tweeny. Yeah. yeah. Then then Fall Out Boy, but they're great. I mean, I think the live show is awesome and like they. Really Really, they they really got the chops, and 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 it's you know just because of course a lot of people probably saw Ross on Disney and right. and and come from that world you know it doesn't doesn't degrade the style of the music or the the quality of of their performance so it's cool because for me I went to a Bruno Mars show a little while back and uh, and I was like wow this is like the most diverse crowd I've ever yeah. seen and it was one of the best shows I've ever seen and and it made me it inspired me that I was like wow that's what I want I would love to have. You know the fifty-five-year-old white guy, and then the sixteen-year-old black girl at the same show, loving the same music. Because when if you can get to that point where it's that diverse, then then I think that's you know that's incredible. That's and kind of the dream. That's the dream. Yeah. And so and so for me with with touring, especially in the same way, I like you know I've I've been on Nickelodeon and stuff, and I think a lot of people will will it, sometimes listen to my music and maybe not you know take it seriously because of that, which sucks. But whatever, I don't I don't really care about that because it's it's the the I'll let the music stand on it. Own. If you're into it, cool. And if you're not, that's fine too. But for touring wise, in the same way, it's like if I'm in front of a crowd, it doesn't matter who. We've opened for Fall Out Boy, we've opened for OAR, which is a very different crowd from R5. Yeah. And, and I think in the end, if you can figure out the human connection in whatever audience, that's one of my favorite things in the world, and and that's and that's what's exciting to hopefully the tours after R5, which we can figure out now, are completely different uh, audiences right. from their audience. Yeah. And you have a new video coming out for Hala. Yes, indeed. Yeah. Um, which should be out by the time you're hearing this. Yes. What can we expect from the video? Well, I guess the reveal has happened, and I uh, I was growing my hair out for a few months because I really wanted the the difference to to show that. So in the video, uh, Pete from Fall Out Boy, Pete Wentz, uh, he shaves my head into a mohawk. Oh. And uh, and the whole video is sort of inspired by uh, sort of Fight Club meets you know um, Eight Mile. And in that way of like, in in the same way of what we're talking about, which has always been sort of my life, I've opened for a lot of bands and a lot of artists. And in that same way, you try to just you win them over. It doesn't matter what you what you look like or or where you came from. It's like in that moment, am I entertaining you? And have I gotten you into the song? Which is always the most exciting thing. If I if I perform for somebody and they've never heard of me before, and after the show they're like, "Dang, I'm gonna check out the music now." Like I was excited about that performance. That's one of the most rewarding things in the world. And so in this video, it's sort of inspired by that. That it's a very different crowd uh it's it's a very it's a very like harsh looking bunch and uh <laughs> and here i am and you know they're shaving my hand whatever else it's sort of this initiation into this into this world 
and you know I get like punched in the face by you know this big dude and it's uh, and it, but in that same way it's like less of uh, it, fascinatingly it's it's sort of inspired by I have this side project with um, an amazing guy named Tim Armstrong from the band Rancid I read about that and, I'm like um, okay that's crazy too. And, and sort of in that same way, I, I went to a. I went. To, I never really was in that scene. I never really went to any of those those shows. And so I went. So Tim invited me to a show shortly after we started making music. And um and he and we go to the show. And I just never been to that environment where it's like so. It's not violent. It's you know they're moshing. They're 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 everybody's pushing each other around. But it's out of love. It's this community. It's nobody wants to hurt each other. It's just like some way of connecting. And so in this video, in the same way, you know when the guy punches me in the face it's not to hurt me it's like yeah I just want to make sure that you're cool and in the same way a fight club and and so all these things and and it's sort of something it's sort of a metaphor to me uh in in how you know this whole this whole world of music works it's like these people just testing your chops seeing that if you can, can you really you know can you play with the big boys can you can you be a part of this world and in that same way they might they might you know test you might you might get booed on a at a show or whatever else but you know prove them wrong and and the whole and then the video sort of shows I'm just singing this song and sort of dancing around in a in a in a very different way than what this crowd would normally probably see and somehow they start to like they start to accept it and uh, and so we've been excited to make it for a while and, wow. and um, I'm stoked um, well check out the new video go see Max on tour yeah. opening for R5 Woo. and yeah just continued success and thank you guys and thanks for having thanks me thanks for coming in of yeah course. thank you anytime so Thanks again to Max for stopping by the office to talk to Katie and I. Make sure you check out his new album, Hell's Kitchen Angel, coming out on April 8th. Yeah. Woohoo. And now it's time for an interview with Rachel Bladden. <laughs> I always turn on like crazy announcer voice. I don't know why. It's, like, it's, like, it works. Like Duffman. <laughs> it's Rachel Platten time. Well, it's appropriately excited for Rachel and her very first headlining tour. Quite honestly, we've been trying to actually get Rachel on the show for like two months. She's a busy woman. She's a busy lady. So we were super stoked that we could make this happen. And Katie went on location to actually go talk to her. Yeah. And she she squeezed me in during her tour rehearsals. Um, she's currently on her very first headlining tour. And uh, you might have seen her, though, um, out on stage with Andy Grammer or Christina Perry in the last couple of years. So she's been on a lot of tours. And she talked about what she's learned from those and what she kind of is going to um, use in her own tour. Mm. Um, and she talked about her mega hit fight song and her new hit, Stand By You. Um, she had talked about how like the craziest place she's heard fight songs. It, I mean, it's like in commercials, it's in TV shows, it's in. <laughs> she's like, did movies. I actually authorize the use of this song yeah, in this commercial? Exactly. I did. <laughs> so she's heard it just as many times as you have, probably more, because she usually is, is singing it. Yeah. Um, and we also learned about her uh, secret beatboxing skill um, and whether she might deploy that on stage. Oh boy! Yeah, I didn't. <laughs> she seems like the the least likely person to be a beatboxer. Well, you'll find out where she picked it up. And uh, it's a fun story. So here's our interview with Rachel Platten. Hi, Rachel, and welcome to the Billboard Pop Shop Podcast. Hey. How are you? Fantastic. Thank you. Good. And uh, right now, while we're recording this interview, you're just days away from starting your very first headlining tour. That's right. Yeah. Uh, Congratulations. Thank you so much. Are you ready to hit the road? Very, very excited to hit the road. Yeah. Yeah. 
mean, we're in the middle of tour rehearsals for you right now, yes? Smack in the middle. Okay. Yep. We are um, constructing the set now and like kind of just perfecting things and making sure that all the transitions are perfect and like placing the songs in the right order for the night. Yeah. Very cool. And, you know, obviously we don't want to give anything away, but what kind of hints can you offer fans about what they can expect on the tour? Well, we're going to get to play um, songs off of the album and probably get to do the entire album, which is amazing. That's I've been awesome. opening for years to get to like have a, over an hour to construct a set and play to fans and have the night kind of be our own is really an amazing thing that we're excited for. We have some surprise guests. Awesome. And we have um, a couple of covers planned. And yeah, we have a lot of like little surprises. Very, very cool. And you know, it's your first headlining tour, but you've been on stage for years. And, and what have you learned from your, your previous tour mates that maybe you want to bring with you on the road? You know, I'm watching um, Christina Perry this summer kind of, I love how she was the boss in charge of her band, but also you know, made sure to take downtime and like appreciate the moments off. Yeah. Although when it came time to work, like she wasn't afraid to kind of own it and be in charge. And I think as a woman, sometimes we like back down to other right. people's opinions and it's hard to be like, oh, I'm the boss. I run this ship. <laughs> and um, I, I loved watching her do that. I loved how she created the energy for her band and her team. And um, it seemed to like translate on stage too. you know, when you create a positive, like beautiful place for your bus and for your crew and for your team and treat everyone with respect and make sure everyone is, you know, feels well taken care of, but also is ready to work hard. I think that translates to the energy of the live show being kick-ass. That's awesome. Good mentor. And yeah. Christina, she's that's an, awesome. She's an amazing woman. Yeah. Very cool. And so this past year has been such a huge one for you. Um, Fight Song was a huge hit. Top 10 on the Billboard Hot 100. Number one on the adult pop songs and adult contemporary charts. We have to talk about the charts since we're Billboard. <laughs> and uh, now Stand By You take over the charts too, hitting number one on the adult pop songs chart. Um, what has this past year been like for you? It's been really an insane change. Um, a lot of people have heard the story, but I'm not sure if um, you're, you guys Tell have. Tell me. But, so a year ago, <laughs> I was in a van. I was like playing to 20 or 30 people at a time. And I wrote this song about not giving up on my dream and about remembering to believe in myself no matter what. And, you know, that song fought its way to the charts and into like people's radio stations and it was just an amazing thing that I didn't see coming yeah. I kind of even though I wrote those words about not giving up I kind of had a little bit and it seemed like a lot of the stuff that I was hoping to happen was probably impossible but the song made it possible yeah the song made it possible it was, it was a really amazing thing that's awesome and it's cool that like a, a song that's so personal to you ended up being so universal people applied to any number of things in their lives like what what kind of stories have you heard from fans about that song oh my gosh I literally get like 50 to 100 a day yeah. from people about what the song has done for them it's so beautiful and now with Stand By You as well they're like sharing these incredible moments um I think one of the ones that still sticks with me was probably the earliest one was with a woman named Christine Luckenbaugh. She was the first person to kind of come forward when the song was first released before it was on the radio to say that the song had been helping her. And she sent out um, a message to all of her friends and family saying that 
her tumors that had been in remission for 15 years had returned mm. and she had several months to live, but she didn't want them to be sad for her because she was feeling strong because of that song. So we wow. heard that message and decided we wanted to do something more. And we went to Virginia and we gathered all of her friends and family and had them learn fight song. And we surprised her with it. It was that probably is so cool. It was one of like the most amazing things I've gotten to be a part of. Yeah, that's very cool. And then also um, Susan G. Komen adopted the song as well. Um, as the Rise Above Cancer theme song. Um, and also it's been in like TV shows and commercials. It's been a million places. What's kind of the, what's the best place or the craziest place that you've, you've heard the song since it's been everywhere? Oh my gosh. What's the crazy, I don't know. What's the craziest place I've heard the song? <laughs> craziest. You I don't know. need a lifeline? <laughs> I think maybe it's, it's really strange always when I'm like in the bathroom brushing my teeth and all of a sudden it's on TV because right. it's in that car commercial. And so it won't be, it's not like the radio is on, like the right. TV's on and all of a sudden I hear my song and I'm like, what? Like, I can't even go to the bathroom. Yeah, that throws, that throws me off a little bit. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, and you released your Wildfire album in January, which you co-wrote every single song on the album. Um, what was the writing like for that album? What, was, what were the sessions like? The album took about three and a half years to write. I had about 200 songs from which I wow. picked those 12, 13. <laughs> um, and it was this really intense, hard part of my life where I was shooting in the dark and trying to find what I wanted to say to the world and, right. and who I was through the songs. And I did a lot of like examining myself and what I believed and, and fight song tells that story, but all of them really do. You know, they're all showing a different side of me. They're yeah. very personal. And uh, speaking of your songwriting, congratulations on your iHeartRadio Awards nomination for Thank Best you. Lyrics. Oh, thanks. I love that one. I feel like that has to be a huge compliment as That's, a songwriter. That means a lot to me. Lyrics are incredibly important to me. I, I labor over them, and especially those fight song lyrics. If I could show you how many versions didn't make it, my journal is filled with <laughs> words. Like the, the fight song video kind of tells the story. It was actually me in my bed throwing paper around, like frustrated, and it took a year and a half to write with like 10 different verses. <laughs> yeah, but so the fact that the lyrics are what's being appreciated is really beautiful. That's awesome. And um, do you think that you'll do some songwriting when you're out on the road? I hope so. I'm going to bring my little mobile studio set up. Okay. Um, and we have a lot of downtime like in the mornings before. Actually, I say that now and I have no <laughs> idea if that's true. Um, I hope you'll have some downtime. Yeah, but I'm writing all the time. You know, I'm, even if it's just singing a melody into my iPhone, it's hard for me not to be creating all the time. Right. It's how I kind of process what I'm going through. My songs are like journal entries a lot of the time. So you don't like put an album out and say, okay, done songwriting for now. <laughs> it's like constant. A, li a little bit. Okay. After in November, I took a break for okay. a couple months. I was like, okay, I'm done. I'm done. That was four <laughs> years. I'm done. But now the songs have kind of been sneaking back into my head and, and forcing me to listen. Awesome. And um, I saw a fun video on your Twitter timeline when I was poking around and uh, it was you beatboxing. And I'm wondering if anyone will hear that on tour at all. Oh, hey, <laughs> maybe. I don't know. Would you like to? Maybe. <laughs> Did you, you, and you also said that you were in an acapella group in college. I was wondering if that's where that originated. Well, actually, I was obsessed with the miseducation of Lauren Hill, oh. that album. And track 11 starts with a beatbox. It's like the cover of Killing Me Softly, I think. Okay. And... I would mem I would listen to that track over and over until I could learn how they were beatboxing because a lot of the guys in my high school used to freestyle and I wanted to hang out with them <laughs> at the parties and I, I didn't want to hang out with the girls. So you just I you learned to, to do the beatboxing so while I, they freestyle. Yeah, because I didn't want to freestyle. So <laughs> I love it. I learned to beatbox and then um, and then I got to hang out. <laughs> Although you have great lyrics, so you totally could have done the freestyling <laughs> too. Oh my god! Oh gosh! If I never do that. So um, because we have a couple days before the tour starts, what are you looking forward to the most? Do you think on the road? 
There's been a lot of intense work that's gone into preparing for the tour. Right. And I think I'm most excited to just be in one place, the same bed for 30, more than 30 days. It's That hasn't happened in a year and a half. So like I've been bouncing around in this incredible journey that this year has taken me on. But also to just get to spend time with my band and crew who are like family. It's going to be really awesome. Thanks. And then getting to meet my fans. Yeah, I'm excited to see like who are these people that... I don't know, helped these songs get out into the world because it wasn't from the industry that it wasn't like the industry decided you need to hear about Rachel. It was fans who decided that Yeah, and made it too loud, like made too much noise for anyone to ignore anymore. So I can't wait to meet them all and give them hugs. Totally. And I, I love that your consistent thing will be being out on the road. Like most people going out on the road would be the thing that would take them away from home. <laughs> I know. You're like, oh, I'm ready to just be doing that one thing for a while. That's great. Yeah. <laughs> but you're a true musician, obviously. <laughs> So um, what is next? Like, obviously, you're writing on the tour. Are you already thinking about the next album? Like, what, what are you thinking about for, for next in your career? Um, I am thinking about the next album, absolutely. You know, it's funny because you put something out and a lot of those songs were written like three years ago. Right. And I've changed since then. And I have a different, I have different stories I want to share now. And, but I'm excited to get to play them first before I get to you know, move on. I don't want to move on too quickly. Um, yeah, but I'm going to be writing, continually writing and continually being creative because that's how I don't know that's what I love awesome thank you so much <gasps> thank you I and, appreciate it you know congratulations on the tour and I'm, I hope to talk to you soon you're awesome thank you for all the support I so appreciate it absolutely thanks Rachel bye Thanks again to Rachel Platten for uh, taking the time out to speak to Katie. Yes, and we can't wait to see you on the tour. Woohoo! You know what time it is now, Katie? What time is it? It's time for the Chart Stat of the Week. Oh, man. Okay, so earlier we talked about how Adele's 25 is spending its 10th week at number one on the Billboard 200 chart, and how there are just three women that have at least two albums with 10 weeks at number one. We already mentioned that Taylor Swift did it, but who is the third? Dun, 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 dun. And this is not a quiz Katie thing. I'm just, I'm just saying who it is. <laughs> I actually feel like I know this one, though. <laughs> well, you know it because it's on the piece of paper well, in front of you. Oh, I didn't get there yet. But oh. I did have, I had it right, though. <laughs> but, oh, you just got... Well, the, the answer is Whitney Houston. Yeah. Uh, Whitney's self-titled debut album spent 14 weeks at number one. Her second album, Whitney had 11 weeks at number one, and then the Bodyguard soundtrack had 20 weeks at number one. You might be wondering, are there other acts aside from these solo ladies that have two albums with 10 weeks at number one? Why, yes! The Monkees did it with The Monkees, which had 13 weeks at number one, and then more of The Monkees, which had 18 weeks at number one. And then, impressively, The Beatles did it four times with, you're ready? Yes. Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band, 15 weeks at number one. A Hard Day's Night, 14 weeks. And then both Meet the Beatles and Abbey Road had 11 weeks at number one. Now, tying this all back to the Oscars, which we talked about at the top of the show, it's Quiz Katie time. And uh, by the way, on our script in front of us, on our notes, there are no answers. She does not know. But this was my album. Oh, well, good luck then. Katie, which two songs on the Bodyguard soundtrack were nominated for Best Original Song 
at the Academy Awards. So obviously that immediately rules out the most popular song, which is I Will Always Love You, because that was written and performed by Dolly Parton prior yes. to The Bodyguard. It was not original for The Bodyguard, because that's the trick with these best original song categories. The song has to be written specifically for that film. Also not I'm Every Woman, because that was written and performed by Shaka Khan previously. Yeah, yeah. So that, that knocks out two of the biggest hits from it. But my first guess is Run To You. Correct! My second guess is Queen of the Night. Nope. Damn. I thought I was going to get it right away. Now, that would have been good because Whitney actually co-wrote Queen of the Night. Mm. And that so could have given her... she wasn't actually nominated for no. a song she co-wrote. Well, shoot. I don't know if I'm going to get this other one then. Um, It's a ballad. And okay. it, it is co-written by someone that you have interviewed for Billboard.com oh, wow. within the David past Foster. few months. Yes. David Foster. I don't know what song it is. It's, it's um, starts off with the word I... I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I have nothing. I have nothing. nothing. If I don't have you. I wonder why I thought of Run To You before that. God, I love I Have Nothing. uh, I Have Nothing was top 10 hit. Run To You. Foster. Run To You was a top 40 (laughs) hit. Um, Neither of them actually won um, the. uh, I wonder if it split the vote having both of them there. Yeah, well, um, what did win the award that year? You might ask. I, I do ask. <laughs> <laughs> With that prompting. Actually, it was A Whole New World from oh, Aladdin. Oh, okay. Music by Alan Minkin and lyric by Tim Rice. Yeah. Um, actually, that year, uh, it was interesting. There were there were two, there were were two five nominees for original song, two from The Bodyguard and two from Aladdin. Um, a Whole New World and Friend Like Me uh, were both nominated from Aladdin. And then also Beautiful Maria of My Soul from The Mambo Kings. <laughs> yes. That 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 familiar song that you're very familiar <laughs> with. Um, well, that's all we have this week, folks. Uh, Katie, uh, what song should we go out on? Well, because I could not think of the name for the life of me. I have let's nothing. Listen to I have nothing. That's a great song. I wish I would have answered that. Like I got nothing. I got like, nothing. <laughs> I've, I have nothing on I this one. I have nothing, Keith. I have nothing. <laughs> nothing. Um, All right, so that's it, and uh, we'll see you next week. Bye.